sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today back on the air with you here on this Monday, September the 14th. It is week one of the NFL season, almost in the books. We have two more games tonight. In fantasy football, there's certainly that chance tonight you could win or lose your league. And based on the way that your wagering went over the weekend, maybe these games can get you a little bit more ahead. Maybe they could even bail you out based on how you did. Joe Pizapia, Craig Mish, we got you for the next hour until 2 o'clock Eastern here on the show. And we get the pleasure of two Monday night football games tonight, Joe, and a very rare situation to open up a season in the NFL, not with with four teams playing in two games, but with two road underdogs, uh, two road favorites, excuse me, on Monday night, two Mm -hmm. home underdogs, which is extremely rare. And historically speaking Mm -hmm. in the NFL, if you just bet every home underdog on Monday night football your entire life, you would be ahead in the NFL. <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I love the opening Monday night. I love the two games. I I will take the two Monday night games over the isolated Thursday game any day of the week. I just like having that block of football, too. You have to start one at, you know, 6 o'clock, and then you have the late game, too. So if the one game's not very good, you say, oh, maybe I've got another one later on. That's just me. I'd love to see another isolated game there on Monday nights. Maybe we'll get that someday, probably night. But I love when we do this on opening week and uh, some good guys out there too. Very fantasy relevant stuff still floating out there. Pittsburgh Steelers defense, all those Steelers weapons, all those Giants weapons. And of course, my man Derek Henry gets to run wild tonight too. So I'll be looking for that. All right, let's take a look at the headlines for today here on this Monday. As we move forward now, the Giants will host the Pittsburgh Steelers tonight. They are getting six points in their home opener, and the Denver Broncos will be getting three points tonight against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Have Denver in the uh, Las Vegas uh, Super Contest tonight, so need that one to stay on the good track from the weekend. Uh, Louisiana Lafayette, after their win over the weekend, is in the AP Top 25 in college football. It was a fun college football weekend as well with some upsets. Clearly, not all of the teams are playing yet, and so that's why they are in the top 25, but still a really good story for them nonetheless. In terms of Major League Baseball, we have three double headers being set to play today. So, of course, we'll have our fantasy standouts for whatever happens in baseball tomorrow. And in the Stanley Cup, the Dallas Stars look to advance to the Stanley Cup Finals if they can win tonight in Game 5. But certainly a lot of folks will be watching those two Monday night games tonight, Joe. Which one in particular is the one that piques your interest the most? Well, I think the one's going to pique my interest the most is the one I'll probably most likely see because uh, God knows I'm old now, so I'll fall asleep somewhere around 11 o'clock. Probably won't make it all the way through the second one. So I want to see how Dan's of the John react to that Pittsburgh Steelers defense because they have a really good, good offense, I think. I think they made some nice additions to that offensive line through the draft last year and made some good changes. I just think it's going to be a lot to handle, but they are at home and anything can happen. And sometimes the Steelers on, on we've seen on national games don't always put up huge point totals. And how do the Pittsburgh Steelers kind of you know shake the dust off a little bit? It's been a, almost a year since Ben Roethlisberger has been in game action. So is there a little rust factor? How does that work out? Maybe the Giants get a good bounce of the ball and all of a sudden this game is a lot more competitive than people realize. 
I'm curious to know, Craig, uh, what is your take on the Denver game? Because uh, I know this line moved earlier in the week. It was a one and a half, and now it's all the way at three. There were some injuries to Von Miller last week. Obviously, the weekend with Cortland Sutton getting banged up. So how, uh, what side of this game do you have, and how do you see this one working out? Yeah, we have Denver, and, and the Broncos are, historically speaking, the best team in the NFL since the merger in the month of September, both against the spread and at uh, and straight up at home, because teams in general are just not ready for the altitude. So we uh, have Denver tonight, plus the points, plus those three points. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the team. It's just uh, being a fan of the spot and getting three points at home. The one thing that I would tell you, in all likelihood, following this through the years in terms of wagering, I can't say that both home underdogs for sure will win and cover. I would be very surprised if one of them does not. Just historically speaking, Monday night home dogs always have a way of coming through, maybe not even winning, but just covering the spread. And so I had to at least consider taking one of those and so denver is the play tonight again i'm not a fan of denver and i don't love them but it just Mm -hmm. seems like even the last three years where they haven't been a good team they are still winning and winning in september at home because teams in the second half have a really hard time it's also a good good advice for people who do some live wagering too no matter what the score may be at the half you may want to consider taking denver in the second half of that game especially if you're betting over in the FanDuel sportsbook you just take denver whatever the spread is uh, at halftime because uh, teams historically slowed down against them. So that's the side that I'm on tonight. We'll see if we can get that win at in the Super Contest and be over 500 for the week, 2-2 two and two going into tonight. All right, we'll uh, take a look at the Bills and Jets coming up next. And Buffalo certainly was very impressive in this game offensively. And then we'll continue on and discuss the AFC East as the New England Patriots opened up their 2020 campaign without Tom Brady and with Cam Newton. Not a ton of of offense for them, Joe, as well. Uh, Was that the game that you watched the most yesterday? Did you watch that game like through and through, or were you flipping around? (laughs) I I did not get that game. I was stuck with the silly jet game and the the Redskins, actually, which I actually, oh, I did it all in the jar, put it in the jar, the Washington football team. That's who I actually was watching, too, which a lot of thoughts on that, too. I understand a lot of injuries over on the offensive line there. For the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's true, but I want to give a little credit to that Washington football team, too. Chase Young certainly looked good, like a nice addition to that defense. So uh, there's a little bit more to that conversation. I know we're going to have that later on this hour. All right, let's take a quick time out on Fantasy Sports today. Just as a reminder, as soon as this show is over, what we do is we send it on over to our YouTube page. And if you haven't gone to Sports Grid's YouTube page, you're missing some great content, not just from us here at Fantasy Sports Today, but all of our great hosts, including Gabe Morency, Scott Perrell, In-Game Live, The Morning After, The Early Line, all of it. Head on over there to our YouTube channel, sportsgrid.com. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Buffalo Bills are projected to win the AFC East by many at the beginning of the season. Of course, the New England Patriots will have something to say about that, so let's dive in. And take a look how the Bills fared in their first week of the 2020 NFL season. They defeated the New York Jets 27-17, to and the game was probably not this close. The Jets did score a late touchdown, but there were moments there where it looked like maybe the Jets were going to sneak in at least a cover in this one. Uh, but they did not. And so if you had the Bills in the suicide pool, 
you got out of that one. I know a lot of people in our sports grid pool I saw with Indianapolis. I'm going to have to go through that and uh, delete those people from the uh, spreadsheet. <laughs> Buffalo, uh, right okay, here. We got- Buffalo, me and Eric. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people at Indianapolis on uh, on Sunday. but Okay, uh, so uh, Josh Allen, great game. 312 passing yards, two touchdowns, 57 rushing yards, and a touchdown as well. Devin Singletary is, I don't know, the complimentary back, it looks like at this point. Nine carries, 30 yards. Moss got a little bit involved. He didn't look great either. It's just Allen runs so much. John Brown, six receptions, 70 yards, and a touchdown for him. Stephon Diggs, really good debut. I mean, you like 14 fantasy points. Cannot complain with that at all. Eight receptions for 86 yards for him. As we turn the page to the New York Jets and see what they did offensively, they put up a 17 spot, so there were touchdowns to be had. The big star for the Jets was Jamison Crowder, who uh, had seven receptions for 115 yards and a touchdown, as you see there. Sam Darnold was not great. Le'Veon Bell has six carries, 14 yards, two receptions, 32 yards. One of the bigger busts from Fantasy Football Sunday from week one, for sure. Uh, and also want to mention uh, Chris Herndon, because I know a lot of people have been waiting on him to sort of take that next step. That's nine fantasy points from a tight end, so mm-hmm. can't really complain with that, especially with the lack of tight end production that there was for the most part on Sunday. But, uh, Joe, certainly the Jets looked awful in the first half, and then they were able to kind of climb their way back into this one a little bit. Again, the score was 27-10 in the end. Uh, so there'll, there'll be a huge overreaction on the Jets this week for sure. They'll be monster underdogs now probably for the next few weeks. There'll be some good betting opportunities, I think, for the Jets as well. Uh, but nonetheless, they went into Buffalo week one, and the Bills looked like the better team and the better fantasy team. Well, I think they are the better team and the better fantasy team. But as we talk about Marlon Mack being all those teams we drafted, how about our boy James and Crowder, who was also pretty much on every single one of those teams. So that that looked good. That's very uh, good return on investment there. And I got to say, this was a tougher matchup for him. So that just gives me even more confidence in Crowder, throwing him out there every single week, regardless of matchup, because it's not the easiest secondary to get points against. And he got a lot of points there. Uh, the running back situation is a mess there. Uh, we all know that with the hamstring injury, Le'Veon Bell, with the communication issues. We saw Frank Gore out there fair amount. But flipping it over to the Bills side, you're absolutely right. It was tremendous to see Stephon Diggs get off to the good foot there, uh, certainly in his debut against the Jets. Not a good secondary, so it's something to take advantage of looking forward into next week as we project out. And uh, John Brown's not going away. A lot of people were a little concerned about, you know, was John Brown still going to be a thing this year now that Diggs is there? Apparently there's enough for both of them. You had John Brown get the touchdown. Good day for him. Six catches for 70. That's a great day. And you mentioned Singledary kind of being a a complimentary back. I think in PPR, he is a flex play. And outside of that, it's really tough to start him anywhere else. You saw Zach Moss actually come away with a touchdown on this one. Oddly enough, a receiving touchdown down by the goal line. He actually made a really nice adjustment in that game, too. Uh, He was basically in one spot. Saw that Josh Allen was breaking out in space. He then uh, made an adjustment, a really good one, got into an open area, sat down there, boom, was able to catch that touchdown. So a great job by Zach Moss. You want to look for moments like that out of rookies who have that kind of uh, awareness. That's something usually you gain over time. It was a little great moment there for Zach Moss, and I think one that portends very well, and a guy that we focused on being a good return on investment in uh, daily on FanDuel at 4.7K heading into this weekend. And last but not least, look, Josh Allen. This is what Josh Allen's going to do. He's going to run around. He's going to make plays. He's going to make some mistakes. But usually he makes more plays <laughs> in, in bigger spots than he does mistakes. And look, that defense is good enough to beat anybody. So a really good debut for the Bills. And uh, I think a tough begin to the season for the Jets, who then host the San Francisco 49ers coming off a loss coming into next week. So that ain't going to be pretty either. 
No, but getting seven points at home in the NFL is a gift, as we saw with Jacksonville. So that may be something I'll look at. Uh, Patriots take on the Dolphins, and the Patriots basically, up, you know, kind of, I, I think, probably had a little revenge on their mind for what happened last year. But this game was close for a while, and the Patriots scored a late touchdown to put it away. Uh, Cam Newton's debut, here's how it went, 155 passing yards, but he did get 75 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So certainly, if he was your QB1 for whatever reason going into last week, you did okay there. Uh, Sony Michelle had 10 carries for 37 yards and a touchdown. He, his role was certainly unclear going into the year. And probably not a lot of people started him in fantasy, but maybe he could be somebody to look at going forward. Julian Edelman had five receptions, 57 yards, and Nikhil Harry, who I would love to see, get more opportunities and has not thus far had five receptions for 39 yards there. As we move on and let's take a look at the Miami Dolphins who only put up 11 points. So you know that the fantasy points were not going to be relevant for them. Ryan Fitzpatrick, yikes, what a disaster for him on Sunday, 191 yards and three interceptions. So super flex teams who started him, bad move. Uh, also, horrible move to start Jordan Howard. Man, I know, he looked awful yesterday. Six carries, seven yards. He did score, but that is not sustainable if that's going to be his role going forward. Devontae Parker had four receptions for 47 yards in the first half, and then he got hurt. And then Preston Williams had a very quiet day with him, and even without him, two receptions for 41 yards there. So naturally, I, I think, Joe, that for me, this is sort of, I think, who New England is. I don't think that they're going to have the high-powered offense. Every once in a while, you'll get fantasy performers from there. They're going to win on their defense, and I think that that is something you said before the season. It seems pretty much accurate at this point. And in terms of Miami, look, Miami started off worse than this last year and did rally to win six of their final eight games. Mm -hmm. That could happen again this year. And Fitzpatrick is this quarterback, Joe. He's going to have these games. Then he's going to come back, and he's going to throw for 400 yards. We see it all the time. Naturally, what is everyone saying here in South Florida? When is Tua going to play? And look, <laughs> Fitzpatrick will get another start. I think we probably know that. Will he get two more starts? I, I'm not sure. And I think that that's kind of where it stands with Miami right now. Hey, uh, I'm the dude saying Tua's going to start at least eight games this year. So I love this Fitzpatrick performance because it looks like we're getting closer to that. We'll see how it goes. But he's probably going to right the ship a little bit. Uh, also, in that cycle of, of Ryan Fitzpatrick, every time he has the job, it goes south. Every time he's the backup or the underdog for the job, he outperforms, and everybody goes, oh, look at Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the next year, he's a starter, and the next year, everything goes south. It is an incredible cycle he goes through all the time. Um, look, it, it's a tough matchup against the Patriots defense for anybody, so don't take too much out of this one. And the narrative that was going around as well. Uh, that they did lose some guys off this defense, and how good would they be? And my response to that was they're going to be younger and faster, and they were. They were younger and faster than they were. You still have Gilmore. You still have some of those main pieces. Corys are still out there, but they are a little bit more athletic. Or they might not have the same awareness, but they are a little bit faster on defense, and that is something you need in the NFL. And then going back to the Patriots, this is what they're going to be. They're going to be the Cam Newton show. And physically speaking, to me, Craig, I don't know about you, but he looked like he did in his rookie season physically. He was a lot lighter in the legs. He seemed like he was in much better physical condition. And this is the some of the stuff, you know, you see Instagram things, you see clips. But you know, until you really watch the guy play, he looks like he's playing at a much lighter weight, too. He looks really sharp. He's got a chip on his shoulder, no doubt about that. But we talked at length on the DFS show this week about uh, running out naked Cam Newton by himself without any of these weapons to tie into because, number one, he's a good value. Number two, he has 
touchdown upside for rushing ability and touchdowns down by the goal line. And you saw that all over the place yesterday in that game. The offense is going to be the Cam Newton show. They are going to let him just be the show, make some plays to the open guy, run when they can, grind, 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 play defense. It's not going to be fun. It's not always going to be fantasy productive for all the ancillary pieces. But for Cam Newton, I think it's going to be. I think that Patriots defense, Cam Newton, those are the takeaways in week one here going forward also. I think they're going to be bankable for at least the short term in this season as everyone stays healthy, and we'll see if that can uh, stay healthy. And if so, look, Cam Newton looks like he could be uh, at least challenging for this uh, Eastern division, no doubt about that. Yeah, I think the Patriots will probably be a good team. I'm not sold that Newton is a starting quarterback yet in fantasy football because I don't believe that the rushing touchdowns are sustainable. And you can't eliminate stats, but if you did and you took away the rushing touchdowns, which, again, he deserves to have, he earned those, and he used to run in touchdowns in Carolina. But if he ain't going to be rushing in touchdowns for the Patriots this year, those numbers of 155 are not going to be enough. But we'll see moving forward. Bears and Lions come up next. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports today here on SportsGrid. Now, this is the part of the show where I get upset because uh, I took the Lions on this show to win more than seven games during the season in the Super Contest, uh, in one contest that I was in, not in both, but in one, took the Lions minus the points and felt three-quarters of the way through the game that it may have been one of the best picks on the board. And then the Lions showed up, and essentially at this point, Based on the way the outcome of the game went, Joe, all of the narratives that I was pointing at going into the season, which is they had all of these leads and blew it, I have to say that maybe my analysis ends up being a mistake because at at some point it has to go on, and, and I hate to throw coaches under the bus, especially after week one, but there is no question at this point the team that uh, Matt Patricia is coaching is not a well-coached team to fall apart the way that they did last year. I thought it was bad luck, and I understand they still should have won the game in the end. Absolutely should have won. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andre Swift dropped the ball. I get it. It was right to him. It was the easiest win possible, but they sh- never should have been in that spot. The Bears are a walking disaster. They are not good, mm-hmm. but the Lions, at, at some point, you got to call it what it is, and to fail that often in the same spot is more than the player's deal for me. That's the way I feel about it. Uh, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to take. I, I feel this is good for you. They're getting a lot off your chest. I feel like this has basically been like about, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe about 16 hours of this kind of building up inside of you. Um, but I can understand being upset. And yet they did still have a chance to win this football game. They should have won this football game. Uh, I think when you take a weapon like Kenny Galladay out of this offense, it changes things dramatically. Uh, I, I will say that I, I do also believe that the positive you take out is Adrian Peterson of all people look pretty good. So maybe they can run the football and maybe they can find something there that they've been lacking that kind of consistent running game. And maybe DeAndre Swift has, is not going to pop up 
nearly as quickly as some people had hoped in the redraft fantasy world. However, it's hard not to take to heart some of the things that you're saying about this team because uh, part of winning in the NFL is having that killer instinct and also making those moments count at the end of games and beating teams that you should be. And the Bears are a hot mess. That was my favorite under going into this year. I'm sticking to it. I think the Bears are a terrible football team. They are really lucky to have come away with a win in this one, Craig. Yeah, and, and I would say that watching, and I watch every game, uh, but this one in particular, I can tell you, that although you certainly are entitled to your opinion, Galladay not playing had absolutely nothing to do with the outcome of this game. They led 23-6 to in the fourth quarter and basically gave the game away, playing conservative, running the ball three times up the middle, trying to kill the clock with an entire quarter to go. Uh, it, was, it was horrible coaching, horrible play calling, and the defense was not even rushing. Trubisky at the end of the game like they were just standing still it, it was and, and by the way it was embarrassing for the Lions it just, <laughs> it just was but uh, let's look at the leaders for the Bears Trubisky did nothing for three quarters and then mm. threw uh, 200 yards in the fourth how about that three touchdowns David Montgomery looked okay 13 carries 64 yards uh, Anthony Miller had one actually had two really phenomenal catches in this game and he, he has to be somebody moving forward that I got to keep a closer eye on uh, four catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Allen Robinson had five receptions for 74 yards. On the Lions' side, Matt Stafford wasn't fantastic. He was just good enough, and he threw for 297 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Could the Lions have scored a few more points, gotten a few more yards with Galladay? Sure, but they did enough to win the game. Uh, Peterson was great, 14 carries, 93 yards. He also had a couple receptions. Hawkinson caught a touchdown. He, he made it 23-6. to six. And uh, Danny Amendola had some really big third-down catches. But uh, I, I guess from a fantasy perspective, yes, you're missing Galladay, and I was missing Galladay on one of my teams. But the reality point of view is that was a game that that the Lions had, and in their first 11 games last year, they had leads in eight of them and blew almost all of them. So I'm starting to think that it's more than that. And I, and I just have to say that maybe, maybe it's not luck. You know, maybe it's mm. not at this point because it was just very deflating for them. Had to well, let me, let me play devil's. Yeah, let me play devil's advocate for a second here and just ask this question. Um, do you think that not having Kenny Galladay on the field led to some of that conservative play calling that was inevitably the downfall of the Lions in this game? No, because they were attacking right up until the fourth and they stopped. It was okay. like once they got up 23 to 6, they just thought they won. And and that's gotcha. the way that they played. They were they were attacking and listen, they had some other guy uh in the game. I don't even remember his name and he didn't look great. He dropped a ball or two and certainly that could have changed things, but they but they still had a 17-point lead going into the fourth and they mm. just ran the ball. And, and yes, in the end, did Stafford throw a, a strike to DeAndre Swift that should have won the game? That is the highlight from that game that everybody's talking about today? No question about it. They still should have won the game in the end, and they should have covered because the line was two and a half. But they never should have been in that spot to have to do that. And to give up two late touchdowns like that is just embarrassing. Okay, so speaking of more embarrassing, how about the Philadelphia Eagles, who also led against the Washington football team 10 to nothing? And the Washington football team came out ahead after being a home dog. It is the NFL. This is what happens. Haskins, 178 yards and a touchdown. How about Peyton Barber? What happened to Antonio Gibson? I thought he was a superstar. 17 characters of Barber, 29 yards, two touchdowns. 
Terry McLaurin, he looked good. Five receptions, 61 yards. Thomas, the tight end, is someone that I did not have a lot of awareness of, but at least some of the advanced metrics showed that he was on the field, I guess, the most of any tight end in the NFL yesterday. Maybe that's something to keep mm. an eye on. Four, four receptions, 37 yards, and a touchdown for him. So we'll have to circle his name as a possible pickup. And as we move on to the Philadelphia Eagles, who got off to a great start and then uh, just basically gave it away at the end, Carson Wentz, 270 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, as soon as um, as soon as soon Miles Sanders went out, if you were a fantasy analyst, you said that Boston Scott was the play of the week. Why? I don't know. But he rushed for nine carries, 35 yards. Uh, Dallas Goddard, eight receptions, 101 yards, and a touchdown for him there. And then Zach Ertz saved the day early on with a touchdown and then did nothing the rest of the way. Now, here is the difference for me between this one and the Lions. Uh, not having Miles Sanders and not having Alshon Jeffrey on an already weak offensive team is one thing. But, Joe, the one stat for the Eagles that is above all, and I don't know why it is, because Lane Johnson, he's a very good player, but is he a game changer to the point that the, the Eagles basically are – uh, a 30% winning team when he's not on the field and they win at almost 55% when he's in there. Those are the numbers. Lane Johnson doesn't play. The Eagles lose. And and I guess yep. that that is just what's going to happen with them moving forward. I, I, I guess I don't realize what kind of an impact player he is. And, and clearly uh, Boston Scott is not Miles Sanders. He may be okay, but Sanders is that guy that you dump the ball off to him and he can run for 70 yards. And, and I think that the Eagles will be fine. They'll get those guys back. Washington was clearly a team that everybody told at the beginning of the season they were going to go 2-14. and 14, And you take the under on their season win total. And they said, no, we're not tanking. Just like Jacksonville. And they come up with a week one win. Fade, the, fade yeah. Washington moving forward. Don't worry about Philadelphia. Fade Washington. Yeah, I would agree. And look, this week one last year was a tight game also, if you recall. the Washington almost pulled that one out. So um, it's not surprising. And you just can't have your quarterback getting hit that much. And that's also what happened. You're right, not having Miles Sanders certainly hurt them. I thought Boston Scott, and look, I was in that camp that thought he could definitely have a good game and, and certainly enough that the, the Eagles would have a lead. And in the beginning of this game, it felt like that's the way things were going. They had the lead, and it felt like in the second half, we're going to get a lot of Boston Scott, and things are going to happen, and all of a sudden, it got real competitive real quick. And uh, look, give credit to the Washington defense. They went after it. They got after it. And you couldn't be more right about the Antonio Gibson, man. I mean, I got zero shares, how we wanted to anoint this guy. And Bryce Love was a healthy scratch from this game, too, which was a little odd, too. So if you had, uh, in terms of Barber... It's and, unclear. And, it's very unclear what they're I mean, doing. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's just crazy it's to fine. think, like, the guys it's popping up. Washington is probably not going to win a whole lot of games. They won this one. Let's hope the Eagles get Lane Johnson healthy because certainly they need him. Yeah, and and, and it's for sports wagering. It's just so important now to not react to the first week because yeah. uh, Jacksonville, you know, they're going to lose a lot. Um, you know, Washington's going to lose a lot. San Francisco's going to win a lot. It's just, you know, things just change quickly and Anything can happen in one week, and we, and we see it every single year. But people overreact, and that's that's how you get in trouble with wagering. Uh, okay, let's move on to the Ravens and the Browns. And this was one in particular that was not close. Almost every game in the NFL on Sunday, you didn't know who would cover going into the fourth quarter. That's why wagering is so difficult. This one was one that you knew. 
uh, going into the fourth. And that's rare. You don't have a lot of that in the NFL, but it was a blowout. Uh, the Ravens beat the Browns 38-6. to Lamar Jackson, 275 passing yards. He also rushed for 45 yards. He had three touchdowns on the day. Uh, Mark Ingram was a disappointment for sure. I had him in a lineup this week, no doubt. Ten carries, 29 yards. Uh, just, uh, I suppose, a bad matchup. Not sure, but really what was surprising was uh, that Dobbins, who didn't look good running the ball at all either, did get the, uh, t- the touchdowns there. So that's something to keep mm-hmm. in mind moving forward. Malcolm Brown, five receptions, 101 yards. Mark Andrews, another huge game. Maybe should have been in that top tier of tight end drafted along with Kittle and Kelsey. He went after it a lot of drafts. He may be better than both of them. Five receptions, 58 yards, and two touchdowns for him. As we move on to the... Cleveland Browns side of the ball. Baker Mayfield was pretty much who he was last year. 189 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Nick Chubb had 10 carries for 60 yards. It was a straight split with Kareem Hunt, who had 13 carries and 72 yards. And Hunt did get four catches, didn't make anything of them. Landry had five receptions for 61 yards. David Njoku had three for 50 and a touchdown and not pictured or Odell Beckham Jr., Joe, who was just silent in the game yesterday. Absolutely dreadful, but uh, Kareem Hunt, once again, six of eight games last year, outscored in PPR Nick Chubb. He did it again yesterday, too, because of those four catches. They didn't amount for much, but you got a point for each one of them, so keep an eye on that. Yet again, a better ROI, and yes, a terrible day for Odell Beckham. Coming up next, fantasy or reality, as well as the outcome in the Cowboys and Rams. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. In our limited time here on the rest of the show, we've got a few games to talk about. We'll go more extensively, of course, on the Cowboys and Rams. No doubt the Chargers and Bengals played yesterday, although not huge fantasy performances. And, of course, uh, Arizona ends up taking out San Francisco. We'll touch on those two games briefly. Uh, but first, let's get into, Joe, the Cowboys and Rams. And, of course, uh, the Cowboys, as always, favored in games. They're not supposed to be favored in. And, and here they were again, struggling at the end of games. It seems like nothing has really changed ever with them. But from a fantasy perspective, there were a couple of standouts. Let's start off with the quarterback position. Dak Prescott threw for 266 yards and a touchdown. Also rushed for 30 yards and sort of saved his day there. Ezekiel Elliott uh, had a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. He had 96 yards on 22 carries, also 31 yards and a reception there. Amari Cooper had the big day for Dallas. Why? Not the yards, but the receptions. Ten catches for Cooper. Wow. On the field Sunday night for 81 yards there. Uh, Cowboys, of course, not all that impressive on the road and some questionable play calling at the end of the game by their new head coach, Mike McCarthy. On the Rams side, well, they did things just enough to win. Jared Goff threw for 275 yards through the air. No touchdowns, one interception. Malcolm Brown had the majority of the carries for the Rams, so not Akers and not Henderson. Malcolm Brown was the guy, and he also scored two touchdowns. And Robert Woods, six receptions, 105 yards there. Uh, The biggest, certainly, fantasy takeaway, Joe, from this, no doubt, is the fact that Malcolm Brown, who was left on the waiver wire for, I would say, probably 80% of leagues, is going to be the number one pickup in fantasy football this week. Uh, Cam Akers got a little bit of an opportunity, but didn't make the most of it. He is a rookie, didn't have a preseason. So 
it's probably going to be a work in progress for him. But for me, at least that was my uh, my biggest takeaway from watching yesterday is Brown looked like the better back and was given more of the opportunities. And certainly that's the way that their depth chart had it with Brown being the number one guy. But as a fantasy owner, it was certainly hard to believe that they could draft Cam Akers and not really give him the full opportunity. And maybe he will later on in the season. But for now, it looks like Brown is their main guy. It certainly does look that way, but at the same time, I can't help but be very concerned that this is going to be a, oh, look, he's the hot hand this week, and that's going to be the guy, and you're going to get a Henderson week and an Akers week, and we're going to keep running in circles, or we're going to blow free agent budget on some of these guys and then worry about who's going to be playing and play them, and then all of a sudden they don't play well that week. It feels like a weird rotation potentially that could be disastrous for fantasy owners. We'll see. Maybe Malcolm Brown will win out. Certainly last night he looked like the best of the three. He was very sharp. He was good around the goal line, too. That's what you're looking for. So there's touchdown upside with him. That's what you want. Uh, To me, this game was also all about the bad job Mike McCarthy did. I mean, I can't believe that in that spot he didn't kick a field goal. On the road, I mean, the the answer in the postgame was because, why? Because, oh, I felt really good about how the offense was running. That's some noise that I would expect out of Jason Garrett. That's not the noise I want out of McCarthy. I thought the whole point you'd be chaded coaches and changed here was that you can get in somebody who's a little bit more of a disciplinarian, a little bit more of a, hey, we're not going to kind of lose ourselves in the moment. We're going to do the right things and we're going to win full games because that's what happened to the Cowboys last year. They didn't put teams away. They were unable to do that. Sometimes they would get a little bit outside of the, oh, it's momentum and not do enough about the basics of how you win football games, which is why Bill Belichick wins all the team because he wins all the time because he has that discipline. He's able to in those moments to go, eh, you know what? We're going to go. And the one time he didn't is the one thing he's most famous for is that three against Indianapolis years ago where he didn't make it and he probably should have done something else. What? Say la vie. I can't believe McCarthy did. Yes, terrible call now. That was definitely not a push off. I mean, I don't know what about to hear it's on the matter. To me, this was a game that the Cowboys should have won. They had to win, and at very least, they could have at least tied it and given themselves a better shot to win. So they blew this game. That was very and another opportunity yet again, just like last year, to get ahead of the Eagles, who also lost. I mean, it's like nobody wants to win the division. The Giants do tonight. Yeah, and and look, uh, I just think with Dallas, it's amazing how they can. When Dallas is an underdog, they're always a great play. But when they're a favorite, you just know that you're paying a tax on them. And um, and that was the case yesterday on the road against the Rams. Uh, okay, before we get to fantasy reality, any uh, brief takeaways, Joe, from Arizona, San Francisco, or the real dud of a game between the Chargers and and uh, and Bengals? I, you know, you know, honestly, for me, uh, you know, Josh Kelly getting some carries for the Chargers was. Mm-hmm. I guess somewhat significant. I didn't see anything else in that game that made me change my opinion of anything. And uh, and look, Arizona's is, is going to be very competitive, and they stepped up and they beat San Francisco in a big game there. Beyond that, that's what I got. Uh, yeah, I think the only takeaways for me is at least it's good that Joe Burrow was looking for AJ Green. Uh, there was one where he overthrew him that would have been a short touchdown. Another one where it almost was a touchdown. So at least it seems like that uh, comfortability factor is there. That's good. So we'll take that away. But I'm telling you, man, this Cardinals team, I know I sound like a broken record. The defense is still suspect, but they are going to be tough. You add DeAndre Hopkins. He was so good at this game. And Kyler Murray is exactly the kind of quarterback who gives the 49ers a tough time. 
Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes. You watched it last year. You saw Kyler Murray himself give them a hard time. That pass rush is terrific, but that really has a bigger effect on quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't like to get out in space nearly as much in his old age, and I don't blame him. I wouldn't either if I was him. But that's where the 49ers are susceptible. They'll probably get right here in week two. At the same time, you have to keep an eye on this because I think the Cardinals are a team that's going to really be a matchup nightmare for a lot of other people. And Kyler Murray looks super sharp in this one, too, and basically kind of took over at certain parts of this game. And that's what you're looking for. And great debut for Hopkins, too. I'm very happy for him. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, tweeted that out right afterwards, too. All right. Uh, let's uh, close it out here with a little fantasy reality on the show. And we'll start off with our first question of the day as we close out our Monday edition of Fantasy Sports today. The biggest surprise, Joe, of the day in the NFL was the Jaguars upsetting the Colts. Overall, from the entire slate of what we saw, is that fantasy or reality? I think it's reality. Uh, I definitely think it's reality. Look at what's happened in Jacksonville. They've gotten rid of everybody. They didn't know who the heck was going to be running the football. And somehow Gardner Minshew, with his incredible mustache and his long hair, went out there and was like, hey, man, I'm just going to play football today. I don't really care if you think I'm going to win or not. Now, I did think the line was a little too big. I did not care for the line in this game at all. Talked about that on the Sunday show here over on SportsGrid. But I thought the Colts were going to somehow find a way to win. And I was very disappointed to see Phillip Rivers, like you had pointed out earlier to me this year, looks like he's done to you. I was given the benefit of the doubt, just being in a bad spot last year. I think that you are right now. We'll see what week two brings, but uh, this was shocking that they could go in there and just, you know, be this bad against a team that really is not very good. Jacksonville's not a good football team, and Indianapolis just made so many mistakes. So, yeah, I, this was surprising. So I'm going to say uh, reality. It was the biggest surprise. What do you say? Yeah, I, I think that it was not a big uh, – it, it was not a huge surprise for me. I, I, I Again, it's the NFL, and weird things happen every week, and the biggest underdogs this week almost won. A lot of them did. Uh, the biggest surprise for me was not this, so it's a fantasy. It was the Vikings' defense because I am not a huge believer in the Packers and that offense. I do think that they'll be good. I think they'll win 10 games or maybe 11 or 9 or somewhere along those lines. But to see them get pummeled, I mean, Minnesota has been known for their defense over the last decade, and they have a defensive head coach as well. And just to see what happened there and, and how they were – completely blasted i wasn't surprised to see carolina give up a lot of points because carolina is not known for having a really good defense but i i thought that's how minnesota was going to win their game just let cousins manage it let cook run and then play good d so to me that was the most surprising thing so i'm going to say fantasy and i and i hope for minnesota's sake that defense gets better because if not uh joe they're not going to win nine games they're not going to win three games i mean that 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 was the worst <laughs> defense i saw on a football field this year so Maybe that was the under of the year to take. We'll see. Uh, okay, let's move on and go to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and have a discussion on Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Joe, fantasy or reality? They have a chance to be the best tight end duo ever. Is that fantasy or reality? <laughs> they're going to have to be if the Eagles are going to get out of their own way. Let me tell you, they're going to need that. Uh, when I think about tight end duos, I automatically go to Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. I mean, that, that duo was just incredible. It didn't last very long, but for those two years or so when those guys were on the field. And look, this could very well end up being something close to that. If Dallas Goddard continues to get so much work in the slot, that's going to be a game changer for his fantasy value. And the need is there. I'm going to say fantasy, but 
I'm telling you right now, I mean, this is what the Eagles are. I know people were hoping it would be more than this and hope that Jalen Rhaegar is going to be more and all this and Miles Sanders will be. But so far, injuries are stopping this, just like they kind of derailed it last year. And it feels like the broken record. It feels like Groundhog Day. We're in the same feeling again going into this season as we were at the beginning of last year. All the tight ends and Carson Wentz and nothing else is going to work. I'm going to say it's a fantasy, but I'm telling you what, they're going to have to try at least because that's what they need to win football games. Yeah, I'm going to say fantasy too. It's it's kind of for me, uh, when I go back from a fantasy perspective, I know that this is hard to you know, swallow, I guess, but, uh, you know, Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez having those two in New England, you know, were certainly, you could start both of them in fantasy for about two years straight, every single guy. There have been other teams too. Uh, I'm going to say fantasy. It's not the best, uh, I, I would say, ever, but certainly Goddard in particular is someone that I had on the bench this week and started Austin Hooper. So not going to make that mistake going into this week. I can tell you that. Probably going to end up costing me a win in a fantasy league for sure. Uh, all right, let's uh, go to our third question here for Fantasy Reality. Fast and the Furious made the big announcement that they're going to uh, outer space in their next film. Wow, that's, that's a new, new spot to go. Uh, so Fantasy Reality, Fast and the Furious, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of uh, grossing the kind of money that they have, is like number one all time for their sort of movies. Uh, fantasy reality, you've watched a Fast and the Furious film. I'm going to redeem myself from last week's Kardashian disaster where I had to admit that I've seen over four and a half episodes of the Kardashians, which, by the way, I didn't realize that show was over 14 years. 14 years? Not seasons, years. But anyway, I'm going to redeem myself here. I've actually never in its entirety. I've flipped around. I've seen some moments and then changed the channel. I have never seen a Fast and Furious film. I have no desire to see them. I don't want to see them in space. I don't want to see them in Tokyo. I don't want to see them wherever they go. I have no time for these movies. I don't get it. The, the, the one with The Rock looked fun with Hobbs and Shaw, That whatever that offshoot movie is. I don't know if that counts. That one, I do love Jathan Satham. He's one of my you know bald heroes. But at the same time, I, I got no time for these movies. And now they're in outer space. I don't get it. I don't understand. Craig, do you like the Fast and the Furious? And are you Fast and Furious yourself? Yeah, I'm very slow and methodical. But in terms of Fast and Furious, <laughs> uh, I have watched, I definitely have watched uh, one of them. I, I definitely, I can't tell you, like, the storyline. I know Ludacris was in it, if I'm not mistaken. I know Paul Walker was in it, who passed away, was in it, too. Right. I've definitely seen one. I don't know that I've watched one in its entirety. In terms of going to the movies to see one, I don't think that I have. I, I don't think that I have. I feel like I may have, though. I can't even remember. It's been so long. Uh, but I'm going to say reality. I have watched one. I, b- between all of the them and the hours that go into watching an actual movie, I may not have seen one throughout. But I definitely have seen enough to give me credit for seeing a Fast and the Furious movie. Oh, that's fair. By the way, coming next summer, 21, slow and methodical. Starring me, slow and methodical. But you'll have to wait very long to find out the film. (laughs) The movie, you'll you'll show up for the movie and it'll be just all previews. It will be no no movie. That'll be the movie. It'll just be all trailers. <laughs> All right, uh, coming up next, we got the Sports Grid 60, so make sure you stay tuned, and we'll uh, we'll end it with that. Also, update you on anything happening in fantasy football as well. Uh, also, do not forget, go over to our website, sportsgrid.com, to catch all of our shows, and also some wagering analysis for tonight's Monday Night Football. So don't go away.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It's time for us to wrap up this edition of Fantasy Sports today. Before we do, just a couple of quick updates. Blake Jarwin of the Dallas Cowboys out for the year with an ACL tear, so we hopefully wish him the best. We'll see him in 2021. Also, Ian Rappaport uh, is reporting that Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints will be questionable for this week's upcoming game. So certainly that is uh, big news for those people who own Thomas in fantasy football. Let's turn it over to Joe Pizzapia as he closes it out with the Sports Grid 60. Joe? Oh, yesterday you could already see all the memes. Tom Brady's a system quarterback. Tom Brady is nothing without Bill Belichick. And, and we'll see how true some of those narratives will be. But Tom Brady was also playing with a team that he had never played with before. He's also playing with a bunch of cast of characters that are all relatively new. And this is the first shot out of the gate in a spot where they're playing against probably the best team in the NFC, the New Orleans Saints, potentially. So let's give the Bucs and Tom Brady a little bit of a pass here. Let's give them a moment. In fact, let's give them a couple days. Because in just a few days, they're going to get the Carolina Panthers with a very young defense that gave up 34 points to the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think we might all be singing a different tune next Monday when we come back for this show. So don't quit on Tom Brady quite yet or the Bucs. Just stay tuned for a little bit more information. Yeah, the uh, the Panthers' defense was uh, very porous, to to say the least. I would get it right uh, on on uh, this weekend for sure. Uh, all right, I want to close out with this. You know what yesterday was? You know what Sunday was? It was fun. And whether or not you won money or you lost money in your wagers, whether or not you won money or you lost money in DFS, whether or not your fantasy team won or lost. It was really good to just sort of be absorbed uh, by football for a day and remember what that feels like to just not think about all of these other things that are going on around the country and just enjoy a day of football. There, there are going to be some good days. There are going to be some bad days. But let's also just keep perspective and keep in mind sports inevitably become a great distraction for what you're doing in life. And it can become fun as long as you just keep it within your means in terms of wagering and keep your passion as strong as it always has been, because it looks like at least week one of the NFL season was a very big success. For my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. That'll do it for our show today. We'll be back on Tuesday at noon. Have a great day, everybody. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.